<laughs> What's up, guys? I'm Jermaine, and this is It's Not That Deep. So recently, I've started to unpack some things from my past that I have discovered are part of the foundation of who I am today and how I got here. Uh, one of those things in a very defining story arc for me is my older brother, Jesse. Uh, Jesse is five years older than me. Uh, Jesse has struggled with substance abuse since he was a teenager, and I really got an unsolicited <laughs> front row seat to watch how substance abuse affected him and bled into everything around him. Um, I watched my best friend succumb to those inner demons in ways that were absolutely terrifying, heartbreaking, frustrating, confusing, and they really changed him forever. Uh, so I wanted to talk about it. And there's a backstory because before there was drugs, there was just Jesse, who was a complete spitting image of our father. Um, and growing up, Jesse was like really a vibrant person, like a vibrant soul. Like he was annoyingly smart, annoyingly smart. And I say that from a place of jealousy just a little bit. Um, I was a younger brother. So going through grade school was a series of being compared to him and how smart he was. And like I was a smart kid, I consider myself, but I drifted more towards like the creative side of it. And he was very logic driven. And I remember like every year of grade school, teachers would like see my last name and then ask if I was related to him and then proceed to tell stories upon stories upon stories upon stories of how joyous it was to have him in class, like how brilliant he was and all of that. I swear I'm over it, y'all. Um, I promise. But sincerely, he was. And I don't know if he knew any grade outside of an A existed, <laughs> like at all. But our father passed when I was five years old. So Jesse taught me pretty much everything as a kid. Um, he was really a foundation, like taught me how to ride a bike without training wheels. And when I wasn't on my bike, I was on the back of his riding on the pegs. He taught me how to play video games, um, taught me how to play football, at least the backyard version. Like we were really inseparable as kids. Like he helped me with my homework and school projects. We rode our bikes on dirt ramps we built in the woods and we got ice cream from Mr. G's almost daily during the summertime. Like we were like watching wrestling was our favorite thing. Like his favorite was Triple H. Mine was always The Undertaker. Like I'm surprised none of us ever broke our necks from the amount of pedigrees and tombstone pile drivers we reenacted. But essentially, when you saw him, <laughs> his annoying little brother was right there beside him. Uh, he was really the best big brother I could have asked for growing up when not like really thinking about it. He always said, like, I got you, baby brother. And like he stood true to that. Um, everyone loved him. Like I was my mother's favorite child. She ain't here to rebuttal that. So, but I'm sure he was a close second. Uh, but I digress. Uh, thinking about it though, we're like water signs. Like we're both water signs. Like the vibes were bound to be immaculate. Like you got a Cancer and a Scorpio like teaming up together. Like what better duo was that, right? Um, but anyways, sometime around like it was like sometime around 2005, 2006, when Jesse was like 13 or 14, he started hanging out with a group of kids that were different. Uh, and this is when Jesse started smoking weed. Uh, I remember him walking in the front door and my mom was like sitting in the corner, like on the movies, like flicking the light on and confronting him with his like bloodshot red eyes. Uh, of course, he lied and deflected for the longest time, like a very long time. And they used to go back and forth so much that it was annoying. Like she would ground him. He sneak out. And like his room was on the second floor. Like he would go from the window to the connecting shed, like to the ground. Like he... Yeah, I knew, but I wasn't telling. 
for free. Uh, but <laughs> she would find like lighters and like cigarillo wrappers, stash and socks and random places. And then he got smart ish and started using like visine in his eyes but i mean those eyes might have been white but he was like smashing whole boxes of pop tarts and party sized bags of doritos so who was really stupid um <laughs> plus like i swear my mother had a sixth sense like she knew everything um and i watched him go back and forth like back and forth in the same cycle for probably upwards two years um nothing anyone ever said to him did anything or made an impact significant enough for him to stop though uh, I watched it transition from full-blown fights about smoking to if you're going to do it, you can't just do it with anyone. Don't be stupid about it. Ironic, huh? Uh, like there were people that could have been trusted not to do anything bad if it were that serious, but it was just fun for him. And he was an annoying high too. like, he used to pick with me so bad. We were like scrapping because like, just leave me alone. <laughs> but over time, it just became a normal thing. He was Jesse, but he also smoked weed. Um, but then our world turned upside down when we moved and went to different schools for a little while. And it was tough on both of us, but he definitely took it the hardest. Uh, that's when he started skipping school to go smoke with his quote unquote friends or whatever. Um, and then after about a year of moving away, we, reloc we relocated back to Springfield Um Life had somewhat returned to normal. We both met a bunch of new friends in our new neighborhood, and we were back in schools that were familiar ter territory. Like, I I grew up in Holloway Elementary, and I went there until fourth grade. Um, and then I went to a different school for less than a year, and then I went back to Holland and then Springfield and so on and so forth. Um, so it was, like, same school district, just a different school, but it was, like, the same curriculum, and it felt more normalized for me than where I was. Uh, but that moment of bliss wore off <laughs> fairly quickly. Uh, it was one summer night, and I'll never forget this. My mom and I were outside hanging with friends and neighbors, something that was routine for us. Uh, Jesse had left earlier in the day to hang out with friends. It had gotten pretty late, and people started to fade, and it was just my mom and I left outside. And then Jesse came on his bike. He was smiling like he normally was, especially when he was high. Uh, but something was different this time. He couldn't control his facial movements. And that was strange. And I watched my mom's face just wash away. Like she, like her jaw didn't drop, but like you can tell, like looking at my mom, like I, there's only, I've never, there's only a handful of times, if that, that I've seen my mom like fold at anything or shake at anything. Like she was a very like hard person. Um, but that was one of those moments where I just, I didn't even think that she could process what was happening because she knew what had happened at that, like, yeah. So she could tell something bad had happened to her son. Um, and my mom was a very strong presenting person. Like I said, like I never saw much affect her. And that was definitely an exception. Her face told a story that I didn't quite understand at the time. Something was wrong with Jesse. He wasn't speaking in complete sentences. He was stumbling over words. He was just completely out of body. Uh, my mom asked probably 100 questions trying to figure out what exactly he took or smoked or whatever. Um, he just kept reassuring that it was just weed. It was just weed. Um, and then things kind of get blurry after that, but nothing was the same, though. Like, Jesse never regained himself after that night. 
Uh, and it got progressively worse as time went on. He started stealing to buy whatever drugs he was doing. Uh, my dad had this beautiful gold ring with a diamond in the center of it. Uh, my mom had worn it religiously since my dad passed away. Um, and she took it off with her other jewelry one day to wash dishes like she always did. And Jesse stole our father's ring and pawned it. And my mom, like tried and tried to figure out because he always would lie like he would never tell the truth about what he did or where he did it at or like all of his antics like unless someone came to her like hey your son did this she she could never get the truth out of him um so she like called around the pawn shops for like days upon days and like it tore her apart trying to find that ring and she could never get it out of him and um, I, that just broke her heart as well. Uh, and it was sold and just my mom, my mom never got it back. And there was just so much, like my mom had to put locks on her bedroom door so that he couldn't get in the rooms because he would ransack through things, looking for anything and everything to sell. Um, he stole from family. He stole anything and everything that wasn't locked up. Um, I remember my best friend was at my house and we were outside or something and came back in and money was missing out of my room. And Jesse came busting the door like, what happened? And that was all the answer I needed because why are you asking the question and ain't nobody even said anything yet? Um, and like those type of moments were the embarrassing ones, like some of them, like that's just a very isolated moment. But the drugs just continued to change him as he got older. Uh, he started to become mean and spiteful, especially when he wasn't high. Um, you couldn't even speak to him without him being irritated, lashing out for no reason. Um, he would talk to himself a lot uh it was just strange at first because who in here with us <laughs> but over time it grew to become the new normal and you couldn't just necessarily see it on the outside he's always been a very vain person light skin tendencies he carried himself well he was always groomed clothes perfectly ironed he looked normal um but his mind was slowly slipping away from him second by second um, I remember my mom arguing with him about going to see someone about what was going on with him. And he just refused and said he was fine. Um, and for the most part, I just kept living my life, you know, staying in the child's place. Uh, he wasn't the brother I grew up with anymore, but I felt like I adjusted to this new lying, stealing high all the time, eating all my snacks version of him. Um, and then the story started to take a turn for the worse again. Um, when my mother first got sick, it was November 25th to 2010. And she was hospitalized for months at a time before she passed away in 2013. Um, Jesse was just out here. Uh, he was doing whatever drugs with whoever he could. He was just running wild and he was 18 now. So he had that I'm grown mentality. I, I used to fight with him all the time because I was so pissed. Like I was mad um, because like, I'm living in hospitals and rehab centers with my mom being her primary caregiver during short stints of her being home. And all he could care about was asking for money. Um, I was struggling in this new virtual online school and just trying to figure out how to like I was so angry because um, I felt like I wanted to be a kid and I wanted to do the things that my friends were doing and going, you know, going places, going to hang out, just being a kid. And I couldn't because I was literally a caregiver and I didn't blame my mom for it. But when I looked around, I'm like, I have these siblings here who are 
five, 10 years older than me. Why are y'all not stepping up to the plate and y'all are literally walking in here while I'm taking care of our mother, asking her for money and then leaving me to deal with everything else? And I didn't understand it at the time. And to be honest, I really still don't understand it at this age. Um, but that's a story for another day. I got so angry and resentful towards him specifically, though. Um, I realized this was because I was 13 years old and I didn't know how to comprehend or make it make sense what he was really going through. And addiction is a disease. And back then, I just wanted to know why he couldn't just stop. Why can't you get help? Why can't you help me support the why can't you help me support the woman who gave us life while she's literally dying in front of our eyes? That's probably why it got worse, though, thinking about it. I started writing music to help me escape and deal with what was happening. He already had this disease that just amplified as things got worse. Um, and then my mom passed. And then suddenly I was the person in charge, the person responsible. <laughs> Man, <laughs> that was a wild ride. And at a fresh 16, bet. Uh, no one ever sat me down and was like, okay, Jermaine, this burden is now yours to carry. Here's the world. It's pretty heavy, but it's yours to carry. Uh, no, it was all the years and conversations my mom had with us about looking over each other, looking after each other once she passed away. Um, she was very in tune with that, and she wanted to make sure she gave us some really valuable life lessons and that we could take care of ourselves. She birthed all boys, and she was adamant at making sure we never needed anyone to take care of us when she was gone. She's the one who really built this um Never want to ask for help thing in me. But anyways, she had us right there by her learning how to cook, how to clean properly, how to take care of our hygiene, how to maintain the household, et cetera. Like she would always say, I won't be around forever. No one, ever, no one will ever love you and look after you like your mom will. So you got to learn how to take care of yourself and each other. And I didn't know exactly what that meant until it was really my only choice. Uh, I got a call from my first job interview two days after she passed away. And I started working right after that. Uh, I took care of the household, working all the hours that they could give me while putting myself through high school. <laughs> and that's when my relationship with Jesse started to really fracture. Um, I didn't sign up to parent my older brother and his stupid decisions. I didn't sign up to um, facilitate a drug addict and everything that came along with it. Um, Never knew who was going to knock on the door saying, hey, Jesse stole this or, hey, Jesse did this. And I'm like, OK, what do you want me to do about it? I was so mad at my mom for not forcing him to get help while she was still living. I was mad at my family because they knew what was happening <laughs> and didn't step in. Um, I was mad at myself for being mad at everyone else. Like, like I, I mean, this is what my mother had prepared me for, right? I mean, she said we have to look out for each other. So this is that. Right. So I should just shut up and deal with it. Right. Well, <laughs> that's what I did for a long time. But there was definitely growing resentment with this new, quote unquote, normal for me. I was extremely underprepared to deal with a drug addict when I was 16 um, because it didn't make sense to me still. Why are you stealing from me when you could have just asked? Why are you sneaking in and out of the house at whatever hours of the night when you're old enough to use the front door why are you causing disturbances with neighbors so that we get put out of the apartment that we were in why are you choosing drugs over your baby brother that's struggling here like why like it was just confusing to me um like i couldn't make it make sense i just locked myself in my bedroom and tried to escape mentally from what was happening in front of me 
And I swear he got worse when the sun went down. Wildest thing ever. But he would be almost normal and okay during the day to where he was almost tolerable to be around. Then when night came, it was just, it was like his personality had an automatic switch timer that flipped out on, flipped on when the sun went down. Uh, he would start <laughs> arguing very loudly with these people that were surrounding him, only there was never anyone there. <laughs> it was so loud and belligerent that I wouldn't be able to sleep at night. And like I'm working till between, till between like 10 and 1 a.m., 10 p.m. and 1 a.m., so I wanted to go to bed. Um, he would go as far as like he would start beating the couches in his bed with a belt, telling people to leave him alone and get off of him. Uh, sometimes he would even start crying and pleading with them. And I remember a couple of times I even had to like file a noise complaint just so that they would knock on the door and he would snap out of it and like reassure that nothing was going on. And I would quickly, quickly like lay down and go to sleep while I had that little like short window. Um, it was completely miserable. Um, I used to try to sleep with headphones on my head so that I wouldn't hear it and it was sad because I felt like I lost my mother and my brother was slowly slipping away and there was absolutely nothing I could do about either one. And that feeling of defenselessness, I felt built this sort of hero syndrome in me at an early age. I built a lot of unhealthy relationships with broken people because I wanted to do what I couldn't do for my mom and my brother, which was fix them. Update. Didn't work out. It was like I was holding on the hope that one day he would wake up and say, I need help and get the help that he needed. I wanted my brother back, essentially. Setting expectations with an addict is like waiting all night to see a shooting star. Like, <laughs> the chances are slim to none, but it'd be a pretty amazing experience if it actually happened. So you just continue to watch and wait and hope. Then when you're let down, it sucks, but there's always tomorrow, right? <laughs> Him refusing help is still exhausting to this day um, because, bro, you don't see yourself. You don't hear yourself. Why do you act like that? Like what? The way that you act. You don't, you don't see how you act, why people don't want to be around you? I used to fight and argue until my voice was gone and my head pounded whole time I'm still trying to raise myself and figure out what life is for me without a mom. I didn't understand my family either. <laughs> it was like they saw it as normal. When I would go around family, the first question they would always ask would be like, how's Jesse? He's all right. He's staying out of trouble. In my head, I'm like, I'm good. Thanks for asking. Go ask him yourself. I say that out loud nowadays. <laughs> if you know, you know, but they'd be like, oh, I know you're all right. Your mom raised you strong. Whole time I'm fighting for my life in real time. <laughs> what do you mean? Y'all focus on the addict and forget about the caretaker of said addict. But whatever. That's a story for another episode. But I started to realize that this is only a fraction of how it must have felt for my mom to experience this. Like, this is my brother, but had it been my child? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And then once I realized I was an enabler, hold on. Now, hold on. Wait a minute. Wait a quick minute. Uh, giving him money because I thought that would be, like, helpful to keep him from stealing. Wrong. Paying all the bills because at least I knew where he was laying his head at night. Belling him out of trouble anytime he needed it. 
Coming to the rescue was all I knew how to do. Hero syndrome, right? Yeah. I was so terrified of him dying and me turning my back on him. I carried that blame on my shoulders for years and years. And there's a lot of lessons that I learned through this experience and I'm continuing to learn because it's still ongoing. Um, but number one, I don't owe an explanation to anyone on why I stand where I stand when it comes to him. My thoughts on my brother change almost daily. Some days are good and some aren't. I've had to come to accept the fact that what's going on with him is a disease, not a behavior. And that was hard for me. Like that took a lot of processing and I had to grow myself and kind of like kill off the version of him that I knew in order to understand the version of him that is now. And that was not easy. And some days I still have to, it's like a, it's a, it's a muscle that you have to exercise. It's something that I did not forget. Um, so I still have to work at that. It sounds simple, but I really had to realize that all the pain, the anger, the uncertainty, the frustration was a useless, impossible battle that I would never win. I simply am not the superhero I thought I needed to be. It's not my fault that it's not my fault and it's not my responsibility. I realized that the person I'm talking to isn't himself, but a mental illness is speaking to me. And yes, he made a series of bad decisions, but I know he didn't expect for this to happen to him. Why would you? Um, but every time you make a decision, you have to deal with whatever reaction comes from that decision. And you hope for the best, but unfortunately, that's not how it always goes. Uh, you ever had, you ever tried to have compassion and understanding with an addict? <laughs> it definitely is not for the weak and it's definitely not easy, but I had to find a way to let go of that anger, that resentment, that frustration and the hurt that I was consumed by when it came to my brother. Uh, it was like mourning the loss of someone while trying to understand this new stranger who has the same body. So I started setting boundaries for myself. <laughs> After I got a phone call one night that they found him unresponsive and didn't know what he took, I remember this rush of doom <laughs> filled my body. And it was during COVID, so I couldn't even go to the hospital. So when I talked to him on the phone, you know, he just started yelling at me <laughs> for asking questions. And I yelled back at him. And then after that night... Now I turn my phone on do not do not disturb every night. I turn my phone on do not disturb. Um, whatever's going to happen will happen. I need my one last good night of sleep before my world turns upside down. And that is a non-negotiable for me. If he needs something, I will buy it for him if I feel the necessity. But I won't give him money for it because he's lied too many times and bought drugs. I understand that it's his addiction speaking, but I refuse to allow him to disrespect me and yell at, let, yell at me. There was a time where we would scrap a bit, but my 26-year-old knees can't handle that. So I simply walk away and hang the phone up. Typically, within 10 minutes, he's calling me back crying and apologizing for it anyways. But my family knows that I don't want to hear any messages relayed regarding him. If I want to know something, I'll go straight to the source or I'll figure it out myself or ask questions when I'm ready. It's not that hard. But it triggers me too bad to answer my phone and immediately be told something bad about him. Uh, so I have to protect myself there. And it doesn't make sense to them, but I want to explain myself further and I will disconnect. I have disconnected from anyone that doesn't respect that boundary. When it's too overwhelming to deal with, I just simply step away. I'll call my therapist. I'll do self-care. I'll journal. I might get a quick pick from Chick-fil-A if that's what I feel I need to do. But I won't overwhelm myself with something that I didn't cause to begin with. 
that's my brother and I love him for life. I have accepted the fact that this disease he's fighting may not ever go away. I've accepted the fact that it's not my fault nor my responsibility to save him. I've accepted that I don't need to feel guilty for continuing my life while all of this is happening. And with all that being said, there's still good days and there's still bad days. I've learned to listen to what my mind is telling me on the darker days, and I'm learning to enjoy the sunshine on the good days. Dealing with an addict is a series of unknown. You can't hold your breath. You can't hold on to expectations, especially when they don't want the help, because it's a series of being let down. I really wanted to speak about this topic because it's a tremendous part of who I am today and my philosophy of life. Part of stepping out of that fog of just surviving and stepping into the light of living has me dissecting what reverts me back to those old habits. And Jesse has definitely always been one of those things. And I'm finally in a space that I can talk about it publicly at that. In a way, he's a big reason why I'm so driven to focus on my mental health and my inner self in general. Watching him need help and not see it for himself, not listen to anyone around him, uh, and not even know what he's doing, it made me want to take better care of myself. Uh, I started a healing journey when I was 17 because I knew I was broken, but I didn't want to stay that way. I noticed my habits, a fraction of them at that at least, but I didn't quite know where they were rooted, but I didn't want them to rule me. I want to be the best, the best version of myself for myself. I hope forgiveness, compassion, and empathy for Jesse in my heart, truthfully. Sometimes there's still anger. Sometimes there's still frustration, but at the heart of that, at the root of that, I empathize with him. I'll always remember the brother who taught me everything as a child, who had my back and kept me safe. I'm forever grateful for that. And I'll always have faith that one day something might change. But for now, I'll keep going, keep living my life. Um, and he'll keep doing what he's doing until whatever happens next, whatever that is. But that's all for now. Thanks for listening to my story. Um, and me talk about this subject that is still fresh for me to speak about out loud in public because I have a lot of these conversations either in a therapy session or um, with the select few people in my circle if I choose to talk about it or I just have them with myself in my head. So it kind of feels good to, to speak about it out loud. Um, but I will talk to you guys in the next episode.